This is our first Twitter space on building crypto unicorns. So I think um, nobody will object that we are in a really, um, we are in a bear market. And my claim would be that unicorns are built in bear markets. So now is the time to actually get together, get ready, position yourself for for the for the bull markets when they come but and today we have a a great panel um we have a great panel of um speakers and hosts for this twitter space and everybody's an expert in their own um area so we've got victor who is a co-founder of award winning venture capital firm based in Dubai and Singapore. Hi, Victor. Say hello. Hi, thank you, Rina, for having me here. And also I can see Jessica. Jessica is one of the top journalists and marketeers in the crypto space. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Irina. Thank you so much for having me on the space. Um, we've got Irina Berezina. She's the operational lead for Uplift DAO as a launchpad. Hi, Irina. Say hello. Hi, Irina as well. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. Now, if um, Alex um, and uh, Yusuf from Shisha Finance can accept the um, speaker invite to come up to the stage to speak, that would be fantastic. Oh, hi, Alex. Finally, we have you on the stage. How are you? really good right now. My connection is not super because I'm actually heading to London to the Eurostar, but I'll do my best to stay connected. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So Alex is the muscles behind the actual unicorn called Swissborg, one of the most successful startups and the, um, you know, back from the ICO dates uh, days of 2017. So that's absolutely um, amazing because as we all know, there's so many uh, companies did not make it through the ICO stage right but Swissburg is here Swissburg is thriving and showing as a bright example to all of uh, to all of the founders how to do that um, let's start um, from the point of view of um, you know setting up the stage about 60% of startups fail we're talking about normal startups we're talking about startups in the um, normal you know traditional web to let's say business right and there are many many reasons for that um, C, um, CB insights listing multiple multiple various reasons such as they run out of cash um, there was no market need um, they got out competed um, the business model was flawed um, there were all sorts of legal and regulatory changes uh, internal fights with the team etc 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 there's so many reasons why um, startups did not make it but when it comes to crypto space the situation are actually even worse not only 90% of startups fail but the so many crypto startups that turn out to be scams and rug pulls. So if you're a founder, how do you work through that noise? How do you position yourself? How do, do you differentiate yourself? And also as an investor, how do you invest in startups that actually, um, you know, with such a huge percentage of failure? Um, Victor, can we start with you? What major reasons do you see for failures in the crypto space? 
Uh, actually, there is a book called The Founder's Dilemma, who's done by uh, Noam Wasserman. It's a, a professor for the business uh, Harvard School. And uh, he actually says that 65% of the uh, uh, startups, they fail because of a conflict between founders. So uh, you, you did mention that as one of the last uh, reasons, but I would say it's actually one of the biggest ones. Um, we've recently uh, have heard stories of different projects that they have not succeeded uh, because of, you know, they had um, quite a bit of uh, discrepancies between the, uh, the team members. And uh, it's a clear example of how that plays a part. So I would say what kind of uh, value message I would say to, to people that they actually want to build a good startup um, is to not underestimate the initial agreements uh, that they have when you have uh, brainstorming. Um, to not uh, let yourself get deceived by you know an initial uh, acceptance or uh, an agreement between the founders. You know, like try to explore as well you know, uh, other activities like team building, you know, not only uh, through uh, video calls, but, you know, perhaps go to, uh, I don't know, do some sport, go fishing, go, uh, I don't know, like to uh, different dinners, you know, try to, to establish a very strong relationship between the founders uh, and make them, you know, uh, try to, to see them as part of your family. Um, we all have families, and I'm sure we all have had different issues in our families, but we all try to overcome them right so when you are establishing an, uh, a multi-billion dollar company um one of the things that you're going to be doing is working very hard and working very hard and a lot of time is going to be spent with the same people so i think uh, these activities of team building are extremely important for success of a company that's a great point and as a lawyer i see this all the time i see that uh, you know a, a group of friends get together and they decided to start a business they don't think about setting agreements in place they don't even discuss how it will be run and who will do what and that's where the problems arise i um, i absolutely agree that and i see that and i see co-founders suing each other all the time i see you know one co-founder you know having an issue that the other the co-founder did not do something or did something that shouldn't have happened. I think it's a really great point and that's a very good takeaway point. Have agreements in place with your co-founders and also with your team members. Um, Alex, if you're in a good position to speak, um, can you let us know what you see as the main reason uh, for startups failing? Yeah, absolutely. So just to piggyback on what Victor was saying, you know, The Founders Dilemma, which is a fantastic book, I really feel like the co-founders need to complete each other in ways. It's not just on the skill set, but also the personality. So those are two things. The mindset, the skill set, actually, and the personality, to me, is the perfect match. It's like that high school crush where they fall in love and you see that couple at your high school and you just know that they were they were created to build something together um by the way guys at the bottom right of this corner you see a little heart with a plus and that you can actually show some of these some of these stickers which are very cool and maybe can make it a little bit interactive but who here has read the book the blue ocean strategy please show me your hands if you click on that little heart plus sign at the bottom right corner of your screen you can actually show your hands. All right, Irina is getting some peace. <laughs> but basically, the biggest mistake that we made at SwissBorg, so the co-founder part was perfect. Anthony and Cyrus, they were really like the high school, complete each other in so many different ways. But 
the biggest mistake that we made, and there's a framework in Blueocean Strategy that can really help you build the right business model, is many startups want to do too many things. What is that one thing that you can do better than anyone else? And that one thing that you can do better than anyone else needs to come with a framework which is basically a quadrant with four boxes. It's not just about creating. It's also about making the compromises. What are you going to reduce? What are you going to eliminate in order to create something that has a strong USP rather than trying to do everything like a jack-of-all-trades, right? So really think about this, guys. Just look at Blueocean Strategy. Look at these quadrants. On one side is everything that you will raise the bar or create, so something innovative. But always remember to reduce and eliminate. Because if you don't reduce and eliminate, you cannot create and raise. So there are compromises on top of the USBs that every strategy needs to have. That's great. Thank you for this, Alex. It's um, Yes, I hope uh, we all got that. Um, but uh, at the end of this um, Twitter space, we'll trans transcribe it all into an article and we'll share with everyone. Um, Jessica, if you're in a good space to talk, um, do you mind telling us from your uh, marketing uh, mastermind point of view, what are the uh, major issues that you're seeing? Why are startups failing and how to prevent that? Thank you, Irina. So I, I think it's it's a really tough one because the crypto space is really this ecosystem that embraces innovation and new technology. And it's finding this sweet spot as founders and as C-levels of new organizations, how you can constantly be embracing new technology as it comes your way, but also sticking to your original business plan. So you might have a concept which you think is completely foolproof it's helped you with your seed round of funding but as new technology has come through the door we witnessed the DeFi summer of 2020 for example it's also about incorporating these new technologies along the way but then of course that also comes with some challenges sometimes your original business model can be diluted the message can be lost among the original investors and also then it can be kind of confusing for new investors because your business model might be multifaceted and it can be, I always say to, to newer projects, you should be able to identify and explain your concept in one or two sentences. I know a lot of us have reviewed tens of hundreds of white papers here among our cryptocurrency journeys. And it should never be more than the Satoshis of kind of nine pages long. You should be really concise with your business model. You should be really concise with your elevator pitch and explaining what you do. And I think sometimes people get so overexcited in the crypto space because there is so many opportunities to add this element and to add this core feature and to really amplify your products and offerings that your message can get lost along the way. And when you deliver five messages of five different pillars of your organization, new potential investors might end up taking nothing away. They might end up being a little bit lost on where your first key points are, what your points of action would be, um, and how you would look to implement them. So I would say the sweet spot between innovation and sticking to your plan and also having a really clear elevator pitch for new investors as well.
That's a great point. Communication is very important. I mean, as humans, that's how we interact, right? You tell me what you're planning to do, and I sort of either buy into your message or I say, no, I don't like your message, and I move on to find another story to join. That's a really, really great point. You know, have your messaging, have your, uh, uh, you know, story, right? Explain what are you doing, because if you don't have a good story, you cannot get employees, you cannot get co-founders, you cannot get investors, you cannot get anybody join you, right? Otherwise, um, you know, that's uh, that's a fantastic point. Irina, from the operational point of view, um, when you get to see the projects, they already got to the point where um, they have a minimum viable product, they had private sales, they have, you know, cool investors like Victor and New Tribe Capital and uh, Shisha Finance, who is in the, in the listener space, and they get to uh, uplift already once they're ready to, for, for the public um for the public offering what problems do you see at that point of time you know and how would you make sure that these problems don't happen and the entrepreneurs have a better success i think what i see here is another maybe reason for failure something very like crypto industry related is the speed of the industry how quickly it all developed we all know how fast-paced it is so the projects have to operate at this in this very fast pace environment and they have to make the decisions very quickly they have to adapt to everything very quickly and i think that could be an issue because lots of times they don't even have enough time maybe to prepare a proper strategy uh, and if, even if they do, they don't have time to implement it. Or later on, things can gain, change and adapt in a different way. So it could cause an uh, issue as well. So I think um, the main thing is to really focus on um, making sure you kind of do lots of research and basically you know your team very very well and the team kind of can work all together. Everyone knows each other. And so it's important to uh, basically adapt to be able to adapt to this fast-paced environment and that's i think all very very you know like kind of blockchain related so what tips would you have uh to be you know to be responding very quickly to changes or what what actionable tip would you have I think it's again maybe comes down not to communication as well. Like the whole team has to be like uh, uh, very familiar with everything that's happening and to have lots of uh, updates regularly and that would really kind of help to move forward with the project. Okay, so the operational points, right? Yeah, uh, communication yeah, exactly. between the team, coordination within the team, uh, make sure that people can respond quickly and make sure that people can react quickly. Um, Victor, when you see startups, because uh, how many startup decks are you at New Tribe Capital seeing uh, every, every week? You mentioned the number before, it was a bit crazy. Um, this, this particular time or previously? Previously, in the in the in the bull market, <laughs> uh, we've done uh, maybe an invest over four to five startups every week. Yeah, but how many decks would you see a week? Uh, 30, 30 to 40, depends. Okay, so you see between 30 to 40 decks a week and then you pick through those decks and you find gems and then you invest, you know, three to four projects um, a week. So what when you're looking at the deck, what red flags are you seeing? I mean, <laughs> give us some tips here. What not to put and what to put? 
I'm gonna tell you my number one flag is called reputation. Um, you know, if you uh, unfortunately, uh, if you uh, start doing uh, some dodgy business or you not you, but uh, like you know, a founder, um, you, you you can clearly see when someone has been successful or when someone has been you know trying to do some money grabs from the community. And uh, the community is so small at the moment that uh, everybody knows each other. So uh, that would be number one thing, you know, reputation. You need to have a clean reputation and you need to be willing to do the right thing. Um, all the things that uh, would be red flags, uh, tokenomics. Uh, we do pay attention uh, in like really scrutinize uh, tokenomics. Uh, we don't, depending on what uh, is the market sentiment, we uh, we uh, we are more lenient or not to certain type of economics. For example, um, we don't like generally uh, startups where they have uh, the team tokens releasing earlier than the investors. For example, uh, for us that's uh, no go. Um, what else? Uh, the community. Uh, the community needs to be, uh, you know, like a community that's uh, with some fundamentals. They they need to understand what kind of products they they are uh, looking forward to. You know, um, another thing that we pay attention it's um, what kind of problem they're solving. You know, they they have to be genuine and they need to be disruptive as well. Um, uh, we also pay attention to the uh, data room, uh, how much research they've done against other competitors as well, uh, how they compare their valuations. Um, we pay attention to the roadmap as well. Um, we make sure that it's uh, clear and concise and is uh, achievable. Um, and we also like uh, see in the teams as well, you know, where they actually proper builders, you know, like a set of individuals which uh, who they actually want to work very hard, building something better. Um, and when we don't see that enthusiasm or that passion uh, for developing something, you know, great, we, for us, it's also a red flag. Uh, we like dynamic teams as well, you know, people that they are confident, people that they can sell themselves. Uh, so that we pay attention to a lot of things. So basically, you look through everything with a with a very fine comb. I, we understand that. Uh, is, is there anything really in particular that you look out for? Uh, the team initially, we pay attention to the team. Like that would be the number one thing that we pay attention to. Uh, but obviously, we look everything in particular with the lens because you know we're talking about a couple of hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, like it's. It's not a couple of euros that you're actually putting it at risk. It's a large amount of capital that obviously you want to see it grow. At the same time, I'll say, you know, uh, the perception of a VC um, sometimes, is, uh, it's, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not, it's not relevant. But uh, um, uh, we do want to have profits, uh, but we would go with projects that they are ethical and projects that they, you know, startups that they, they actually, as I said, they solve a problem in either. For me, one of the biggest problems at the moment in our space is adoption. Uh, I don't see people uh, adopting uh, as the uh, uh, the face that our uh, space that I would like to to, to be. But uh, any project that, that kind of promote that, I would totally go for it. 
Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Alex, at SwissWork, you guys build the craziest community I've ever seen. I mean, the guys, uh, you know, the, 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 your SwissWork tribe, they wear the merch, they talk about SwissWork uh, at every corner, which is quite um, which is quite an achievement. And in, as we all know, in web space, if you're building, um, uh, sorry, in, in Web3, if you're building a Web3 company, community is what you need. Uh, you need, you know, a great team of founders, you need great messages, and then what you need you need a community to to to, to give to participate in in your web3 project would you give um, some tips how you've achieved that and how can you know people build similar crazy um, tribes around themselves yeah I think that's a really good question Irina and just to sum up you know what Victor was saying earlier if you wanted to receive investment from Swissport ventures, our pre-qualifying round would simply be broken down into what we call the five T's. The first T is the team, the second T is the technology, the third T is the tokenomics, the fourth T is the traction, and the fifth T is the terms and conditions. So that's a simple framework for those of you trying to raise funds. If you can tick all those boxes or you can have a big tick on one of those boxes to compensate for one of the other boxes that you cannot tick, you would be eligible for an investment with us. And we, we usually invest between 100k to half a million and we're still investing in the bear market actually the the quality of the projects has have risen since and all the crap got flushed out but um irena to answer your question in terms of community i think there are too many companies that brand themselves as a product and i don't know if this makes sense to any of you out there but there is no clear identity there's no identity. All you go on the website, you just hear, get this, get these APYs, get this cheaper, this faster. Uh, and you're not actually working for the greater good. It's really important that not only the purpose reflects the principles, the values, everything needs to be aligned with a person, human being, and have an emotional connection. It's not just about logic, guys. You can have the best economics, the best technology in the world, but if you don't have a story, that is connected to the great purpose, the greater good, and it's people just cannot identify to that story and they don't feel like they're contributing to an ecosystem that wakes them up, you know, with a smile and, and just really, really makes them happy and passionate about it. And then another thing that's really important that we need to really break from the stupid corporate world is that you cannot have CEOs hiding in all these VIP private rooms, you know, at the events. Go and talk to the people. Go and get them a drink. I go and I serve drinks. I'm CPO of SwissBorg. We're a 300-people company, but I don't care. If I need to be the, the toilet cleaner, I'll be the toilet cleaner at times. So it's really, really important to be human. Stop being an asshole like these Fortune 500 CEOs that we see sometimes on Forbes or on CNBC. Be human, and, and that will resonate with the people watching out there. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And I see that all the time, how you and um, and your co-founders, how they, um, you know, interact with um, Anthony and, and um, Fazel, how, um, how they in, interact, Cyrus, sorry, Cyrus, uh, how they interact with the community, how they interact with um, with everybody um, who just comes up and says hello to them at the events. And that's really um, a great change because you see founders of unicorns and they're, you know, they become really, you know, arrogant 
arrogant and they forget the way they came from like we all came from the same place none of us knew what crypto was you know uh, just you know 10 to 5 years ago and then suddenly the co-founders become you know this completely unapproachable Jessica, with regards to um, to uh, next steps, right? So you have the team, you have the community, you have um, you know a great value proposition and a product. What's next from the marketing point of view? What are the marketing pillars that um, you would focus on to help the projects um, progress further in their growth? That's a really good question. And I think it almost follows on from what Alex has just said. I think he made some excellent points there. And for me, as communities sell products, it's all about, for me, point of view marketing. And it's all about identifying what your product does and how it can impact people. And even if it is a web-free centric product, which is completely decentralized and it is um, very much online, there's still so many ways that as a point of view marketing strategy, you can identify as a user, whether you're kind of a high-tech developer or if you're just a retail investor or if you are a VC looking to acquire, you should be able to tell what the mission statement is, what the brand is trying to sell, the company's beliefs and passions, and also the company's take on market trends as well. I think all of these things really help define uh, the community, help attract a wider community. And then on top of that, that is your kind of fundamental market strategy. And I think people really overlook that. I think a lot of these organizations will start with, and Irina, I know we've seen this at crypto conferences over the past three or four years, is people will come to you with a white paper or a kind of light paper, a website landing page, and an idea and they haven't really built anything. And I think to get the next step of being taken seriously in this space, you have to have started to build to show that you are gonna make a difference. The market is completely oversaturated in bull market seasons with a lot of projects, with a lot of ideas. I know when I worked at CoinMarketCap, at one point we had 10,000 cryptocurrency tokens listed on CoinMarketCap's data aggregator site, which is just insane when you really think about it. So if you are looking to invest or you're looking to really uh, align with a new organization, you have to understand, okay, have they built something yet? Are they on that path? And that also helps with marketing as well, because you're able to actually demonstrate what is being progressed. And I think there's also a fine line when it comes to marketing, not aligning so much with pushing out something which isn't fully built yet and just pushing out the brand name. People are seeing the industry move so quickly. People are seeing projects come and go. Uh, and normally in this kind of crypto winter to bull market season cycle, um, as Alex said earlier, I think that actually it washes out. There's almost this um, kind of evolution cycle where, where people typically see organizations disappear and maybe 70% of the bad actors or the bad eggs in, in the cryptocurrency space kind of do get eliminated during these bear cycles. So to watch a project grow is 
great. Then to watch them slowly market and introduce what they're offering to retail and DC alike, that's a huge step. And that really helps you stand out against the crowd because it sounds so simple. It sounds really obvious, but only really 10% of the projects that you do see out there already have their first steps of a product when they're able to look for funding. And it's so important to show that you are on this path. It will set you apart from the crowd and it will help make you so much more enticing for new investors. So that's the one thing I would say is to get the product on the roadmap and use that as your main marketing tool, but then also have that point of view marketing so you can show what your organization's beliefs are and also what you kind of can give value to for the user. That's um, there's some so many great points you mentioned. First of all, is yes, the days where you have an idea and a white paper and you go raise crazy rounds from investors. I think those days are well and truly gone, and I hope we'll never see those days because back then that's when a lot of investors suffered and and the confidence in the crypto industry suffered. And I really hope we will not see those days anymore. And another thing is pretty cool as well, like you need to show something that you've already delivered, something that you've done, a product, you have a team, um, you know, to show what you've done, right? Because then it shows that you're on a, on a track record to deliver. Um, you mentioned um, the coin market cap. Um, would you give any um, free tips for entrepreneurs <laughs> listening us how to get featured uh, on coin market cap, how to get featured in tier one media because we all need attention right every startup every project needs attention because you know through that attention you get users partners etc etc any free tips that you have for us of course and actually um, my free tip is something that i've advocated for for years and it's actually how i know most of the people that i'm familiar with from this twitter space is through cryptocurrency events for me cryptocurrency events are amazing i completely agree with alex's point is you can't hide in the shadows if you have a speaking slot you've got to hustle the expo floor and this is where actually you can meet these tier one media representatives that are walking around um, and you can align with people you can say what you're understandings are you can exchange business cards you can follow up i was at a metaverse conference in march of this year in dubai and i was speaking to one woman who was a publicist for singapore vogue and she was there covering uh, nft art as fashion items and you just don't know who you're speaking to at that point and i think really listening to people understanding what they're where they're from exchanging contacts is invaluable face-to-face -face networking is huge especially in crypto where you do need to put a name to a face because so much of the ecosystem is sadly allocated with with scams and bad actors so to go to these events take some time out i've never once gone to an event and said actually that's not been a good roi for me when it comes to making amazing contacts and just seeing how people have advanced in the space so i would say cryptocurrency events for expanding your media network is amazing if you've not met direct contacts there you might have met someone that does and also things like this are really like twitter spaces as well you'll be really surprised what 
gets picked up by crypto media. And I think these kind of conversations where you're brainstorming, where people can listen in on organizations that have done it, success stories, but also failure stories are equally as valuable for, for new users. Um, and then I think it also goes back to media outlets and also consumers don't like to be hard sold. They like to be informed and educated. So as long as you're holding intrinsic value and saying, you know, maybe we didn't get it right in the last quarter, but this is what we did as a startup and this is what you guys can learn from it. Well, that shows that you're really humble. You're learning from your mistakes. And that's a really interesting take. And that's the kind of thing that if you did send that out to some media contacts that you've met at a former event, it's more likely to get picked up on than a hard sell press release uh, where they where organizations typically get, you know, tens, if not hundreds of those uh, per week. That's great. Thank you. So attending crypto events and working in the conference floor. And I love crypto events. Um, as if, if, if anybody has been to um, a Dubai event, they'll, they'll see me there because I absolutely think it's a fantastic opportunity to meet new people to and also to say hello to old friends and also to watch the markets, right? Um, I like how in the bear market, you stop seeing all the scammers at the events and you start seeing you know more honest people trying to you know work um and and then um and then the um bear market comes all the scammers hopefully will get rid of the scammers and then in the bull market the tides of the crypto space and also another thing is i think gone are the days when uh investors would just give money to a project and uh and that would be all of the involvement nowadays if you're a really great entrepreneur with a really great uh, um, project you'd want your investors to give you more than just um than just money right you want smart money so victor in 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 regards to smart money how how are you at um, New Tribe Capital? How are you actually giving smart money? Uh, how are you helping? And I can see New Tribe Capital in the listeners as well. So give them a follow, them, the um, VC firm of the year. And uh, according to them, and we're going to hear all about it, not only that they give you money, they give you smart money and a lot of assistance. Uh, thank you, Lina. Um... So I said earlier that, you know, like uh, we need to kind of uh, remove that uh, perspective of uh, some some VC that they just want to make a quick buck and uh, do not provide any support. So about two and a half years ago, we saw uh, the potential of not only giving money, but, you know, giving money with, as you said, you know, smart moves. Um, in our firm, we, we, we've been able to, you know, make a huge uh, um, ecosystem where we have uh, a lot of different uh, other VCs that uh, see eye to eye as us. Um, we have uh, marketing agencies, we provide uh, legal assistance, we provide uh, tokenomics um, examples, uh, we provide uh, different um, uh, connections with launchpads, with uh, different other uh, uh, businesses that will be using the technology. For example, if it's B two B case, um, what else? Uh, helping with fundraise. Uh, at the end of the day, when when you provide uh, your capital to uh, to any project, what you want is for them to succeed. You know, to to make a difference, to to improve a problem that is happening, or to either create adoption or uh, make things faster 
or more achievable for for the random people, right? So these are the kind of things that we've been focusing on. And uh, with regards to what uh, Jessica and Alex said earlier, it's actually uh, quite interesting what they said. Uh, being human is actually one of the most important things of uh, you know a CEO. And I'm just gonna like to share. Uh, small uh, um, story about the founder of Zara, Amancio Ortega. I don't know if you've heard about that brand. Um, he uh, He's usually seen in the headquarters uh, fixing tables. He was not cleaning toilets, as Alex was saying, but uh, he was, you know, fixing the tables, you know, for example, in the dining room or anything. He would go down on the floor and fix the tables. And this is what makes you know, a good CEO, someone that is human and keeps his uh, feet on the ground and doesn't go buying Lamborghinis and Porsches while the company is struggling. And unfortunately, we see that in the uh, in on, on uh, with the Wall Street companies, right? The company is struggling. The company are, are firing people, and the CEO is paying himself. Normally, it's himself um, the highest uh, bonuses for that decade. And yes, definitely, we don't want to see that in the web too. Alex, you got excited when I started talking about uh, when I started talking about smart money and how the VCs are there or supposedly there to help uh, projects, not just with money, but with more than money. Yeah, absolutely, Irina. And I think just trusting what you said and what Victor said, like smart money and having a fundraising strategy is critical. One of the biggest mistakes that I see, guys, is people diluting their valuation by trying to have 10 to 15 to 20 VC logos. That, to me, is the biggest turnoff. Like, out of all the strategies, if you have 10, 15 VCs sharing allocations of 100, 200K, that's just literally 80% won't do anything for you besides give you their logo. And if you're lucky, a retweet and a newsletter. So do not search for the logos, search for the value. What is the value that each one of these VCs will provide? And I'll give you guys a story. One of the best performing tokens that I've ever been involved with had a no VC policy. All they had were consultants, advisors, angels, and influencers. They, not a single VC was involved. And the token, not only the token, but it actually maintained itself. Incredible performance. We're talking about triple digits. And that just shows that at the end of the day, you know, crypto is all about opening access to all, right? And one thing that we don't criticize enough are the traditional VCs. Traditional VCs need to be as criticized as the banks or the investment banks or all the other poor guys that can sometimes get blamed without real rationale behind it. But the VCs here, they just give you a logo and then they'll dump on you really hard, creating cascading effects and really hurting your token. So the value added guys, try to always think about who you want to bring on board as early as possible and have a very clear understanding what is the strategy and value that they will add to your project. Are they going to help you find the right COO, the right CFO, the right crypto lawyer like Irina? Are they going to help you find the best YouTubers that match your brand, that will grow your community attraction and get all of these important people in on as early as possible so you don't have to pay them crazy amounts later on when you're trying to scale. That's a, that's a really great point. Um, and I can, so, um, 
a lot of blame and a lot of criticism need to be allocated to, to where the blame and criticism is due, which is with traditional VCs. And we see how VCs are squeezing the founders and when the times are good, the VCs are all there, you know, um, cheering and drinking with them. And when the times are hard, the VCs are nowhere to be seen. And I can see Saeed Aldarmaki has joined us. He's the founder of Shisha Finance, which is a decentralized um, um, VC firm and uh, they're not only trying to build the um, Web3 and support the Web3 business but they are Shisha Finance Shisha Finance is remodeling and rebuilding the VC business as well Hi Saeed, how are you? Do you want to give a quick shout out um, to Shisha Finance and how are you different and how are you supporting um, the crypto founders because nowadays crypto founders need all the help they can get and i know that from you and from shisha finance personally they're getting a lot of help not only money but smart money thank you irena thanks for the kind words uh, good to be here sorry i'm like 10 minutes late but uh, better late than never uh, i caught a bit about uh, the last uh, few words that alex was mentioning and i, I just want to add maybe it's, it's not just about vcs or investors or value add but I think what's equally important is how you set up your tokenomics and how you set up the emissions of the tokens with regards to your roadmap and what you're trying to build and actually having a having a product or service that's actually being used and having a clear utility to your token. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's demand versus supply. So if you're controlling the supply and the emissions of the tokens and you're also creating reasons for people to demand your tokens then you should be okay but there's so many different factors that you know affect how your business will perform and how your token will perform and so on um but yeah i'll, I'll move on to shisha finance and ultimately what we've been doing um, for the last 13 months is um, we've been angel investing at a very early stage in the seed stage um, into projects across different blockchains, across different use cases, um, and really uh, doing a, a lot of research, analysis, due diligence, and being very selective with the projects that we work with. But when, when we, we do work with a project, we try to be really active, not just in the short term, but also in the long term to try and help the projects you know, get to market and then what they do after they get to market as well. And also, um, talking about startups, we were a startup and we've actually done two pivots in the last 13 months because of different factors affecting the business and different factors in the market. And the first pivot that we did was after we deployed about $7 million worth of capital into um, seeding projects, I think we seeded about 40 to 45 and giving the projects the resources that they need and, and helping them in every every single way we can. Um, and that's proved to be very successful. We've incubated or strategically advised 25 projects in. So we have 70 projects in the portfolio over the past 13 months. And we've been trying to lower the barrier to entry for people who want to get access to a diversified portfolio without having to go through all the work and effort and knowledge and experience and connections that's needed to establish a, you know, a solid kind of diversified portfolio. So we're just disrupting the traditional VC model. We're using blockchain technology so that 
we don't have to charge performance fees. We don't have to charge management fees because there's no middlemen to pay off. And then there's no minimum amount that, that you need to participate. Um, everything is done through smart contract. Um, so, you know, it's, there's no minimum amount of period. There's no minimum amount of uh, money that you need to participate with. And I think it's just leveling the playing field and, and allowing others access that they wouldn't otherwise have as an individual. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for this. And that's um, also um, what we see, right? Not only Web two companies are being disrupted by Web two, but by Web three companies. But VCs are being disrupted. Banks are being disrupted. And Jessica works with um, um, Fluid Finance, that she'll tell us all about. Uh, every level of um, the infrastructure is being disrupted, uh, including the banking and and the law firms, uh, and which is you know quite a quite a fantastic. Um, thing to see. I want to ask you all one last question before we ask uh, audiences for questions because I can see a lot of people wanting to wanting to ask and wanting to talk. Um, what qualities do you look for in an entrepreneur, right? Because it's all about, you know, in early financing, in the seed financing, it's all about what quality do you look for in entrepreneur, in a founder? And also, what advice would you give them? I mean, starting a business, growing a business, it's super hard. It's, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And I was a founder and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. So what, um, you know, what one advice would you give them, the founders who are listening to us? Fixer, if you want to start. Uh, sorry, Jessica's no, okay, perfect. Uh, which uh, advice would I give? Uh, I would give them. Um, well, we've been discussing the price of uh, of of, uh, of an asset uh, before, but I would say that the, first of all, once the project is launched, I wouldn't uh, recommend to the founders to be focusing on the price. You know, whoever is wants to build a unicorn at the moment, they, they should pay attention on on what it does no not what is value on you know you don't you don't look at the uh, the shares of a company and say oh they are down uh, the product the product is shit uh, i actually look at uh, what are they doing and i'm gonna give you an example of uh, a, a great uh, protocol polygon polygon at the moment uh, it's uh, undervalued uh in my opinion and uh with no financial advice for example i can tell you that you know the amount of things that they've been building non-stop it's uh, impressive so i would whoever wants to build a company that is going to be disruptive and uh, is going to change uh, and fix a problem uh, i would uh, tell them you know in addition in advance to once the token is launched you know to make sure that you know so because some investors and community will uh, obviously come and you know uh, start fighting and start uh, complaining about the price but you know if having your goals clear and continue building without focusing on the price is actually a pivotal uh, factor for the success of a project uh, that would be one of my biggest um, um, advice that i would give to any founder out there Fantastic. And Yusuf uh, managed to join. Thank you so much, Yusuf. You're under Shisha Finance logo there. Welcome. Please give uh, Shisha Finance a follow and um, check out um, in details what they're doing. Yusuf, what one advice would you give to entrepreneurs, to founders, because you are supporting so many. So what one uh, useful um, 
piece of wisdom you can share with them? Uh, thank you, and um, probably getting used to technology to begin with, enjoying space is the right way, is just a good start. But um, aside from that, on, on a serious note, I, I believe, especially within the crypto space, is if we don't have founders that are familiar with this space and uh, are kind of aware of how to navigate it, then just having being amenable to advice and tips and hints and guidance. Um, us as Shisha Finance and the Incubator, I think that's one of our core strengths. Um, given that we see so many projects coming through the doors that we may not even invest in and those that we have in our portfolio, um, we, we found that those that have come from a strong traditional background and know what they know and they've got their expertise as, as long as they are open to listening to us from the crypto perspective and, and and being able to pivot and navigate in such a fast pace and changing industry um we think that's uh, one key um aspect to success for sure fantastic thank you Alex, do you want to speak? Uh, you've unmuted your microphone. Yeah, I'd love to add, you know, that it's really critical to know how to do the floss on the dance floor so that you charm everyone and you make them laugh. No, but I'm kidding. One thing that, uh, Irina, that you know really well is Ikigai. It's a Japanese concept that basically says that your purpose in this world is to do something that you love, something that you can monetize, something that you're good at, and something that contributes to the greater good. And out of all the things that you look at, to me, the most important is passion, even more than skill and intellect. Because skill and intellect will not get you out of the darkest moments, right? Like at Swissborg, to be very open and transparent, we had multiple people that had to leave the company because they just got ill. They were mentally ill, they were exhausted, and it took them six to nine months to resume their professional life in another company just because it was too intense. The intensity is real. As you're saying, Irina, you wouldn't wish this to anyone, including your worst enemy. The intensity is real. But the passion and love for what you're doing will get you out of the darkest tunnels, the darkest moments, thoughts, stress, tears that you have. The only thing that will help you survive is the passion for what you do and the love for what you do. So that is the ultimate, ultimate recipe for success. That, that, that's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. Passion uh, will get you out of bed in the morning uh, at 6 a.m. in the rainy morning to go and actually to, do, to continue building. Jessica, um, your um, advice to entrepreneurs, um, you've seen so many, you've interviewed so many, uh, as a journalist and you've seen so many coins failing like what one thing that sort of you see as a common thread that every entrepreneur can uh, utilize to to you know to to continue building i think it's acknowledging that this is such a new space crypto is a new and emerging industry you as the founder as a visionary you're not always going to have the right answers it's about hiring a team that really helps support your vision and also being 
able to get a board of advisors that can help with the technology aspect when new innovations come through about constantly learning new things and having a level of humbleness to listen to other people and take that advice along the way. I think if an entrepreneur is so straightforward thinking, it's their way or the highway, a lot of employees do tend to burn out. And also it does mean that typically sometimes you don't get the right answers because sometimes the tech team might have a different way of looking at things or the marketing perspective. So it's about being able to acquire the right information and implement it in a strong business strategy. I think that's the, that's the main thing that comes to my mind right now. Um, because it's like if you go on LinkedIn and you'll see Web3 advisor or Web3 expert, these job roles don't exist yet. We're still kind of watching this information unfold and it's changing yearly. I think a year ago we couldn't have expected the industry to be in the state it's in now. So it's all about having this agility, this humbleness to be able to acquire new information and not knowing that it's your way up or the highway. That's, uh, that's the one point I would say. Fantastic. So listen to your team, listen to your advisors and, and be flexible and humble. Irina, um, you see um, entrepreneurs already, you know, further down the road. So um, what advice do you have for those who are a little bit further down the road and how to you know, persevere and, and, and battle this 24-7 space? What I see lots of times is the founders sometimes rushing to launch their tokens and their company is not quite ready for it. The project is not ready for it. And, but they, I mean, I understand, you know, they have a need to raise the money, but once they start this process, they realize maybe a legal side is not quite prepared or economic is not quite prepared or even marketing could not be ready for that. So it creates more distraction within a company. And I would suggest to not rush launching the projects and maybe again, listen to advisors, do accelerator program, speak to, you know, other people in the industry just to be sure that you're ready for it because it's very intense moment as well in the period of company and it's super important to have a good launch of your token fantastic thank you for this um, i'm gonna come to i'm gonna go to saeed now but if anybody wants to speak anybody wants to ask a question of victor of uh, saeed of alex um uh, request to be a speaker and i'll bring you up saeed so what um one valuable thing you can share with uh, entrepreneurs uh, working their butts off thank you Irina. um i think um, the one the one that um I really believe in, and the one that Alex mentioned was passion. I think you want to see founders and teams that are passionate and enjoy what they're doing, because if you're not enjoying what you're doing and you're not passionate about it, then you're not going to put in the extra work that's needed to, to be successful, and you're not going to get yourself back up when you've been beaten down so hard. And, and you know, there's tough times as a startup, and I think even when you kind of um, got to market then there's still a lot of things that can happen and there's still a lot of obstacles that come your way and a lot of challenges and I think being prepared and organized is also equally important having the passion is great having the talent is great but if you don't have an, an, an a strategy that you're ready to execute on and be disciplined about and stick to your budgets and stick to the strategy and make sure everybody in, in the team is aligned with the objectives at hand and you don't have the right culture within your startup, 
then uh, then things will be really really difficult. Um, but you know, there's a lot of factors that impact the decision of whether we take on a project or not. And there's so many so many questions that we ask of founders. But I think another thing that's important is if you're having conversations with the with the founders of a project before you decide whether you be involved or not. Uh, if you kind of give feedback and you feel that they're resistant to that or they're not open to, to specific ideas that you mention or criticism or feedback that you give, then that's kind of a, that's a giveaway usually for whether you should be working with that project or not. So I think having a clear strategy and being disciplined about executing on that strategy and, and having the right attitude is, is very important. Fantastic. We have a couple of people who came up to ask questions. Uh, hi, Don. Um, you have a question for uh, one of our speakers or all of our speakers? Maybe we can go to Crunch Network. Crunch Network, do you have a question for us? So it has been like a, a very impressive um, session, um, learning session for me. Um, I've gained like um, a lot of knowledge on what like um, capital firms need to see, and especially in trying to build like a proper um, token, and especially concerning your tokenomics, how it should be set up and all that. Um, so there's just one um, very particular question I have to ask. Um, when evaluating crypto companies, and I'm talking about like when looking into data, especially for crypto com um, for crypto com companies that haven't built anything yet that are looking for um, raising capital through like the private sale of the tokens or like um, when you're looking at um, looking at looking at the valuation for a company what are the terms that um, all um, investors would like to see especially when you know when a particular founder or CEO is presenting like a pitch um, I guess there's something that really concerns me because um, getting data in, in building up like your revenue um, um, picture only comes from when you already do have like a product, in which most times is what is advised. But um, I've seen in spaces and I've noticed that most um, tokens or coins, they raise capital without having any particular, um, um, you know, product at the time. And I wonder how or what is the valuation of, you know, how these companies have been built. So okay, got it. So the question is, I guess, for our um, uh, VCs in the in the audience, um, the question is, uh, if it's in such an early stage that there's no product yet, but they're trying to raise uh, f uh, in exchange for tokens to build a minimum viable product, how would you uh, evaluate such a company? Victor, do you want to start? Uh, yes, I can. Um, I would say that a lot of startups are out there with crazy valuations uh, and that actually leaves uh, very little room for upside once the project launches. So um, we, we like, um, uh, we, we, we tend to, to actually uh, uh, have a, a deeper um, understanding on, on projects that their valuation is more, um, I would say, real than, uh, than a crazy valuation. So. Uh, I think we would go for projects with the lower valuation rather than the high valuation. Okay. Um, Alex, do you have any comments on uh, such an early investment stage that there's no product, there's nothing yet, just tokens for sale? 
maybe Alex cannot speak because he's traveling. Um, if we go to uh, Said, Said, do you have a comment on that? What do you do with projects that they're so early and they're such early stage that there's only tokens there? How would you evaluate such? Uh, how will you value such a project? I'm just, I'm just gonna lift a minute. Just give me two minutes, Serena. I'll, I'll get back. <laughs> no worries. Maybe we'll get to the next question. Um, uh, Don, if you have a question already, uh, if you can speak, uh, if you're available, I'll ask your question. Uh, hi, I hope it's me. Uh, Don Misha. Yes. Yes. Hi, hi Don Misha. Uh, nice to nice to hear all of you. It's very interesting. Uh, nice to hear you again. Um, I had two things that I wanted to ask. One you mentioned when the projects launch uh, among founders, there, there's a lot of issues among among them at the beginning if they didn't set uh, uh, strict rules uh, for it to be successful in the future. Do you have any specifics on this kind of rules that you would recommend? And uh, if, if you can be specific or whoever some of you can be specific on this. And secondly, it was like for VCs and all of you who have uh, who analyze projects. Why? I mean, you know how you like to see projects. So why don't you actually share with the projects how you want things to be presented and how what kind of research you do? I mean, in a more extensive way so that they can actually tick all the boxes and for serious okay. projects they could actually go and, uh, and and really go through everything that you are looking for and try to tick all the boxes and show you that they are serious projects okay well thank you very much for that question that's um i think that was clear so i think i can answer the first one uh, amongst the founders what sort of agreements do you need and it always depends on the project and it always depends on on the uh you know what are you doing let's say we're doing a web three company so and let's say there are three four founders and uh, those founders need to have an agreement amongst themselves in writing and um, that agreement needs to set out their roles their responsibilities their obligations the share of the company uh, if we're talking about equity also the tokens which apply to them and it needs to be you know and there needs to be consequences if you don't deliver on on your um, scope of work what happens then because you know we all humans you can get unwell you can get tired you can just not interested anymore what are the consequences so um, the um, the and it also depends, you know, how many founders are there. If the team is five, they can carry the load uh, in a certain way. If the team is two, then the load is completely different. So it really, you know, here's your typical lawyer's answer. It depends. And I guess the second question, uh, who wants to get the second question? Who's out of elevator um, and, the, and the train? Because um, the... <laughs> Because the question is, if you you know the people, you know what you're looking for in startups. Why don't you tell us what you're looking for, and we'll do that? Said, what's what's your answer to that? So yeah, I'll go back to the question on the on the valuation, and um, like what Victor alluded to, if there's no kind of product, if there's no service, even if there's no MVP or proof of concept, then really. The project should be willing to um, on on listing the initial kind of initial circulating 
um, supply valuation should be as low as possible. And the same with the fully diluted um, valuation. It should be as, as low as possible. And you should be very realistic to give the chance for people who are supporting you at an early stage and people who are supporting you at the public sales stage the opportunity to to get a get a good return on their investment um, so i think it's important to have the the lowest possible valuation but then at the same time because you don't really have a product or service yet and you're building towards that you should also have the correct lockups and investing periods to kind of match with your roadmap and what you're what you're going to deliver um, in that roadmap. So so lowest valuation possible. And also, you know, as an investor, if you're getting a low valuation, then you should be also willing to take on a, a longer lockup period and investing period on the point about telling startups what you would like them to see do and, and how you would like them to shape, you know, their um, tokenomics, maybe or their strategy or whatever it is. We always, when we have the conversations with with the founders of projects, before we decide to add them to our portfolio or not, we always ask these questions and we always point them to these directions and we always tell them, this is what we'd like to see. What do you think about it? And, you know, if they say, you know, they want to stick to their guns and do it their way, then more often than not, we won't work with them. But if they're open to change and they understand that, you know, maybe they're very strong in the kind of business that they're running on the traditional side or on the Web2 side, but they're not very strong in terms of the, the crypto side and the Web3 side of things, and you're giving them the right tokenomics and you're giving them the right structure and they're willing to, to listen to that, then, then that's great. But we always make sure that we do upfront kind of say what we'd like to see and we always give feedback even if we don't take on the project we just tell them why we didn't take it on so we always try to give free advice before we work with the project and see how they react to it and then we continue to do so even after we start working with them fantastic thank you mm -hmm. please please yeah so i just want to piggyback on what said said which couldn't be better framed but i think it's really important guys that if, if there's no proof of concept there's no technology it's just a team your valuation will be anywhere between 1 million fully diluted all the way to maybe 7, 8 million maximum, right? Once you once you hit the 10 million to 20, when you already have some technology built, you have some smart contracts, you have a little bit of traction online, and then anything over 25 million, it starts, you really have to justify why you have a market cap over 25 million fully diluted. Um, and then, of course, you know, one thing that's really important when picking your valuations is a lot of people will just choose the leader as the reference point. So they're going to say, oh, I'm the next Axie Infinity um, and look at their market cap. And, and that to me is, is also a red flag. I want you to tell me 10 projects or at least five projects from the best performing to the, the poorest performing and give us an average, give us a median on what is the market cap fully diluted average that you have across this specific asset class or sub-asset class. Another big mistake that I see very often, guys, if you're raising funds right for your project, is they're going to have like the seed round and strategic round right next to each other. So literally, like, let's imagine June 30, 30th is a cutoff date for seed. 
and then July 1st is the opening for strategic. That to me doesn't make any sense. One day difference between the two, and that is also a big mistake. If there is evaluation, there has to be progress amongst the project. There has to be new technology. There has to be better traction on the socials of larger community, right? So if you do have bigger valuations across several rounds, there has to be some sort of development and progress that can justify that. Or else the people who are coming in on July 1st, they're going to be like, hey, wait a minute, I'm literally one week away from XYZ VC or XYZ influencers, uh, and I'm paying twice the price for literally the same exact product, the same exact project, and nothing has changed within the space of a few days. So I think what Said is saying is very, very important that if you do not have any type of technology proof concept or anything like that, you have to be aiming your valuation as low as possible. And I know that sacrifices more tokens, right? Because the lower you put your valuation, the more tokens you're going to have to sell. However, however, some of the very successful projects by providing better returns, as Said is saying, better ROI to the investors, they tend to get more out of them in the mid to long term. Because a satisfied investor who's making money, he's going to go as far as possible. He's going to hold your hand as far as he can. As long as you're running, he will run with you. So even if some people think, oh, I feel like my valuation is a bit low, but you're giving back in terms of our right to the investors, to the angels, to the influencers, to the advisors, the consultants, whoever that smart money is, they will help you not just until the launch, but they will help you to continue build momentum throughout your career and path towards your vision and success. That, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for this. Um, we have the last question from Women of Steel NFT. Um, I have to give some, you know, some some um, some preferences here. The last question, Women of Steel, do you want to ask um, your question? Hi, Women of Steel. Yeah, hi. What? It's a guy. Hello, guys. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, uh, today our founder was not here, so I was. Okay, so you identify as a woman, as a woman today. That's fine. You know, welcome to 2022. Tell us, give us your question. Uh, yeah, yeah. So actually, actually, I'm the I'm the co-founder of this particular project. Basically, Sahar is our main founder, and she was not here uh, because of some mom things. You know, like she's also the mom, so she was busy, and we have to like in a spaces. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, no worries. Just ask the question. Yeah, I have just very important question. Like I was seeing uh, Irina about your profile, and and I and we recently followed you. I have very uh, like a big question regarding this: how to tackle with NFT marketing scam peoples around the globe? Because we already lost like uh, ton of ton of money in marketing stuff, also in building the community, and a lot of thing happened. Even that particular company during the meeting uh, with us. Uh, one had had attacked us in terms of website hijacking and other stuff. So we, we recovered the data, we recovered all the things because of our developer team and all the things. But we are, uh, at this particular stage, we are so much pissed off because of these particular 99% of NFT marketing company scams. So how we can tackle with this, like we are a new project, okay? And our project is is not just like, we are not here just for the, like, uh, just for the here to bring the names and all things. We are here for making the community in a better form. 
we are here to like giving back to the community if you can see our uh, road map maybe after this uh, you will see that there is a premium loot box there is also events and, and the other things and we want to work on that but we are a little uh, maybe lazy on on the, on the making the web making the community and also the fact is that we had been scammed with a lot of a lot of peoples around the world and especially there is a lot of companies from argentina they they just do a lot of scams and we were the victim of that so how we can just uh, like main, my main question is that how we can tackle with those particular scammers so no other new project uh, gonna experience that thing that we had experienced um i suppose there are multiple way to scam a project or to scam investors and one scam is very different from another one right have you been um is it a cyber attack then it's a completely different tool is it social engineering that somebody's pretending to be you and getting money uh, out of your investors for example on a weekly basis i get a message from you know a, a fake alex asking me for a couple of btc and and a fake jessica asking me for a couple of BTC and they get the same messages from a fake arena. So they welcome to crypto, right? The scammer on every corner. Um, and, but also you, what I understood, you're talking about projects that are, um, that are um, sort of marketing agencies and they're pretending to give a service and they actually don't give you a service, right? So uh, again, welcome to crypto. And as um, Yusuf, remember the other day we were having exactly this conversation there's so many marketing services out there and you pay and they deliver completely nothing uh, or the return on investment is so low that you basically advise all your friends and partners not to go with this very campaign or with this very marketing um, services agency. I guess the answer is uh, have, a, uh, have a team of people who support you, who you surround yourself with because then you know um, you can share the information, right? I, I message Alex, hey, do you know this marketing agency? because they're saying that they're doing your marketing services and Alex answers he's never heard of them, right? So this this is how you know um, not to go with this uh, service provider. And it applies for everything. It's just in crypto, you need to take a bit extra few steps to check everybody's credibility and to check everybody's uh, offering because unfortunately there's so many um, undecent um characters in this space but it's the same with every new technology so not let's not bash crypto space too badly everyone thank you so much we went over the hour our next session will be specifically dedicated to business models and token economics Today, we talked very briefly, and Alex and, and Said and Victor talked very briefly about business models and token economics, how the numbers need to stack up. So the next session, we will talk about it in details for one hour. And after each session, the session will be transcribed into how-to article and published in tier one uh, publication. and also will be a podcast that you can really listen and actually you know take notes and execute so experts from the token economic space will specifically talk about how to um, structure your token economics account how to distribute the tokens i want to thank all our speakers and the hosts and the co-hosts and the listeners please give them all a follow um, check out what they're doing you know send the send your pitch decks and i really want to thank you all guys for taking the time out of your really really busy day and sharing your wisdom i will share the article with you next week
Thank you so much. Thank you, Arena. Thanks, Arena. Thank you, Arena. Thank you, Arena. Take care. Have a good one.